You're listening to Dental Student Vibes. What is going on, guys? You all might be wondering why you're not hearing Seth's voice today, and that is because I am extremely excited to be recording here today in the great state of Texas. Today, our guest is Dr. David Crumpton. Dr. Crumpton has been my mentor dating back from 2015. He was extremely instrumental in my path towards getting accepted into dental school, as well as providing valuable information and support throughout my time here at dental school thus far. Dr. Crumpton has lectured and trained thousands of other dentists over his career. His educational lectures span over various technological aspects of dentistry, including CIRAC 3D technology, which will be very valuable for us in the future. Dr. Crumpton has practiced dentistry for 25 years, performing a wide range of procedures in his office, including sleep apnea therapy, digital smile design, veneers, cosmetic dentistry, dental implants, and many others. You can visit Dr. Crumpton's website at www.davidcrumptondds.com. Along with this, be sure to follow him on Instagram at davidcrumptondds. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes, on Twitter at dentalstudentvibes, and last but not least, Facebook, where you can search for us, Dental Student Vibes. Again, we are extremely grateful to have Dr. Crumpton take time out of his schedule to sit down with us, and we hope you all enjoy this episode. Thanks, guys. Okay, Dr. Crumpton, so... One of the other questions I had uh, for you was, um, you know, there's so many different things that you have to learn about having your own private practice. So how did you develop an understanding of what's required to run a private practice when you opened up your own? So I got out of school and was headed, I headed to Southern New Mexico, New Mexico. I'm New Mexican by, by birth. Uh, my family's a lot of them still there. And so I thought I, I would leave because I, I graduated Baylor in Dallas. So I thought, well, I'm going to go back. I like the smaller town. I'm, I'm literally f- grew up in the town of 1800, moved to a town of 400. And then after that, I went to school in a town of a hundred thousand and then immediately moved into a city of four and a half, five million. Wow. So if you're not used to that, then, then there's more people living on your city block than the last town that you lived in at home in high school. Yeah. You're overwhelmed by the content and of people. I moved to Southern New Mexico and was going to buy a practice. Okay. The way it went was to this guy comes in. When I was in dental school, we had, you had group leaders, you had a group. Our, we had about a hundred in my class. Failure rate was about 90 when we, when we had finished. And so you have group leaders, group leaders were a, a gentleman or, or a lady, young lady that would walk you through your clinicals. Okay. At dental school. So there were like five or 10 people and you had your your uh, group leader, he checked off on your stuff, uh, the treatment plans that you're doing, what you're doing in clinical. And how was your group leader? So when I got close to graduating, people would call in and go, hey, what are you going to do? We have a practice for sale. Can you guys send us a student who might be able to take over the practice? So there was only about four of us in my class that they'd send out. So that's how I started. And then I went, and I went to this practice and found all kinds of things wrong with it and then decided to move back home and start my own. Back to what I considered home now is Dallas. Okay. And I learned no business. You didn't, well, you don't learn any business at dental school. And I went and worked for them. I didn't learn anything from them. I learned kind of basically what not to do. Because when I was told there, they're like, hey, come to work here. You'll buy my practice. 
there's really two practices in one building. There's another dentist over here. We share the same front desk and stuff like that. And I got there. No, they were partners. They were, it was a they were, it was totally opposite of what he told me. Oh, man. So he was selling me a partnership to a guy that was a total creep. Oh gosh. Okay. So then I decided I needed to come back. But you don't learn anything really at dental school. You don't. The bad thing about it, and the best thing about it, is you learn from your your mistakes. Okay, those are the best teachers. So I just come back to Dallas and started my own practice. Was it intimidating for you at all? Uh, we found a place to come and live. We put it in, and the intimidation level is different from for me. I tell people this all the time. I'm just too stupid to be intimidated. <laughs> I, I'm just, I am. Uh, I, I'm the. I'm the guy that when you're in dental school and they said, okay, it's time to do injections and learn to give injections. I'm like, okay, let's go. Yeah, let's rock and roll. Let's just nail it. We'll get through this somehow. Yeah. That's, I'm just that kind of guy. I just don't, I don't rush in and I let the chips fall where they lay and then you got to, you got to pick the good and leave the bad. In business, everybody's going to have an issue when you get out of dental school. Very few people come out of of college with a business degree and go into dentistry. I think in my class we had five or six. Okay. Some people came out of business because they went into business and didn't like it because their dad was a dentist and they didn't like it and then they decided, well, I'm going to come back. So they kind of maybe have a little bit of a heads up, but not really. You're going to think they do, but they don't. The dental game in running a business is selling a widget is selling a widget. Okay. Okay, it, they're, they're no different, but it's how you're getting paid is can be totally different. I mean, insurance insurance is a big factor now for everybody. Uh, payment plans, uh, care credit, credit cards. How do I do all? The, how do I balance all this stuff? And it's just trial by error. But the thing about it is, is you're no good or you're no better than the people you hire. Okay. Okay. I know nothing. Okay, I got out of dental school. I know nothing about dentists, about dentistry and business. Do I want to hire someone that knows less than I do or more than I do? More than you do. You hire you hire people smarter than you. Okay. Okay. Everyone's going to get out of dental school. They're going to think they're the top of the food chain. You're not. You've only got a license to do the things dental school taught you. How to treat perio. How to place a filling how to do a crown right there's so many more people out there that know how to run a dental office that aren't dentists it'll blow you away a lot of these guys who are running dc dso's yeah they know nothing about dentistry they know how to run a business right right okay so my front office staff better know how to handle insurance better than i do i better be the dummy in my practice on how to handle insurance you know and then after time you know more than they do yeah. but in the beginning you're not so hire better than you Okay. Always, always attain to hiring people that are smarter than you. Okay. You're smart because you had to get through school. You had to have the GPA to get in. But there's people that, that just because I do one thing, they do another thing. I'm not smarter than them because I have a doctor in front of me. They have, they know how to do things better than I do. Let them do their job. Let them teach you. And then when you learn it and know it, then you know it. And then if they decide to leave you, you can train somebody else. But don't. 
hire someone who knows more than they do. <laughs> you're no better than your hire. Okay. Yeah. That's what it is. People don't understand that. You're no better than the last person you hired. Okay. Or you're garnering your reputation of being a dentist. You're no better than the last filling you did. Right. So always protect it. So always hire better than you. So it's always constant progression for you. It's always. Trying to get better and better every single time. If you're not, you're going backwards. Yeah. And you see it so often. You see it so so often that, and, and it's not just dentistry, uh, it's life. Okay, so the life lesson on that one is, is people hit a certain age, and if they didn't hit their dream, they just kind of go stagnant. Yeah. And then life is a rut from then on out. They can change the rut. Okay, you can always change your rut. It's all up to what you want to do. It's all up to what you want to do. You don't like it? Do something different. Change course. Just change your course. But always be willing to hire someone smarter than you. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's always. great advice to know. Because, always. Because I think um, what I've learned over here, being able to visit the practice and you know kind of take an in-depth look at everything is that there's so much you need to know. And when you have so many things on your plate, especially when you come out of school, you have to be able to really, first of all, be a competent dentist, I'm sure. And then on top of that, you're just in constant progression. You're a student, you know, for the rest of your career almost. Constant student on a daily basis. Yeah. And for you guys who've never been in a dental practice just yet, you're a juggler. That's just it. Yeah. Uh, you're you're actually literally, sometimes I have four patients in a chair. That's uh, I run two hygiene. So I got two hygiene and I might have two treatments. And then you have front desk. You could literally have five people coming up to you asking you a, a qu different question. I can say that the, as honestly, yeah. at the same time, <laughs> and you have to know you have to know five answers. Yeah. Or you have the ability to go. Yours can wait. Ask me later. You have to be able to juggle what's going on all the time. Uh, it's the old herding cats. Yeah. You can't herd cats. <laughs> but. but it's your, you got to be a good juggler and you got to learn to prioritize. That's what I'm saying. The other, other we talked about um, focus. Yeah. Focus just on the immediate thing. And that's it. That's what I do. The first person that's got to get out of the office, first procedure, this question or that question, which can go away. I mean, which goes away, which stays, which it gets answered. Yeah. And I think the one thing that um, like I really respected about you was, or still do, <laughs> I haven't lost respect, don't worry. Uh, the one thing I uh, really respect about you is that you uh, are always trying to progress. You're never ever, okay, I've accomplished what I want to in terms of my practice, where I'm at in production and things like that, and now I'm content with that. But you're always trying to go up and up and up and up. Uh, I, have, I have a fault, and I don't know if it's a good quality or a bad quality. It's just me. Yeah. Um, and so... I, I rarely take the time to look back and, and kind of judge and see what I've done. Uh, literally, we Google viewed the house I grew up in. <laughs> yeah, and, the other day. And so you, you kind of come from this spot. So the last 30 years going through dental school now in practice is I've never, never slowed down. And so you're if you've slowed down... I don't look back and go, I've done so much, uh, so good, so well. 
and built a business, you know, that stayed in business for now 24 years, built a huge building and have tenants and, and, and go from there. I don't ever look back. Uh, That's a fault. But it's also, I also think it's a blessing too, because it makes me non-complacent. I can't sit down and, and it's always, what's the next thing? Why? It's like, I got to do something new. I got what's different. And it keeps me going, yeah. you know, because you do watch people who hit that wall. Some people just think, man, if I could produce 800 or 500, well, I can't remember what the national average now is on the dental office. I think it's 600, 700,000, I think. I'm not for sure. Okay. They hit that one deal, but that was, that's, oh, national average is this. No, if it's a million, it's this. But I can't ever sit and stay complacent. Uh, it's just not in my genes. It comes from kind of how I was raised. And yeah, definitely. And like um, to kind of go or touch on top of that is um, I remember, I think it was, was it last year when you flew, uh, went to Toronto uh, to yeah. the digital smile yeah. uh, training? So it's like things like that. You're always on top of the technology, I've noticed. Um, and some other dentists that I've seen or spoken to, they are not on top of it or they don't even know that it exists sometimes. So... Are you doing anything in particular to really stay on top of that, or, or how does it work? Again, we go back to continuing education. Yeah. Getting, you don't have to, we've talked about this several times, about getting into a group practice. Right. You don't have to get into a group practice to have people you can bounce off of, bounce ideas off of. I'm right. part of a study club, okay? It's all local dentists. Okay. Okay, we're all harvesting from the same pool. Do you think we trust each other? <laughs> we show up in a room and we do study club. Do you think we share stuff? <laughs> no. Right. This, but we learn through the study club because it's a spear study club and it's all set out. And it all it's all run. And so you learn technique and stuff that way. But we don't share business stuff. But other than that, I've, you can get in with a group of people. And so most of the people that... I get in with are not local. Okay. Okay. So I have friends from all over the country that are dentists. I mean, this is the thing about dental school. You guys could form a deal that you guys stay in touch and bounce stuff off of. Right. Okay. You could get, you could garner really good friends, 10, 15 in your class, start a WhatsApp group. One's going to oral surgery. One's going to ortho. And then once you're done, you guys keep you guys keep knocking this stuff about. There's your group practice. It's friends telling other friends what they're doing, what's working, what's not. So I'm in a WhatsApp group with about 250 dentists. And oh, we, wow, really? They're nationwide. We bounce stuff off of each other. and So I, I have someone who can help watch your back. Okay. Okay. Because your local friends are rarely going to... <laughs> Rare, they're going to have your back, but not in the way you want. Yeah, it's like direct competition. It's direct competition. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure everyone has to, you have to be strategic in the way I'm sure you that you present information to certain people just because there's always a chance of uh, people saying maybe something they shouldn't have said or, or things like that maybe. Well, you're also going to go through and you're going to garner a group of friends and the guys that were in the local study club are also guys. I actually three in the study club are actually three guys I sat next to in dental school. 
Oh, really? So you know their personalities. And then and then you start talking to people. And then after lecturing for nine years, you learn dentists. I guess it could be anybody, really, any profession but or people. People want to put up that false front. You're going to learn that people are telling you that their life is really great. Their dental practice is through the roof. And they come to find out, you know, the state board's investigated them twice. And they're financially strapped. It happens yeah. all the time because people... People want to put up that false front and not be real about what they're doing. You got to be real. I mean, uh, your patients know it, your staff knows it, and then when you talk to people, they'll know it. So you guys are going to bump into somebody you haven't seen in a while <laughs> at a conference, and they're going to you're going to go, "Hey, how's your life?" And and, and you're going to you're going to hear the same stuff over and over again. <laughs> Man, it's great. My practice is great. <laughs> And then what's great to you and what's great to them could be different. They could be happy at doing fifty thousand a month. Yeah, I'm not happy at doing fifty thousand a month. You know, so fifty thousand a month that's six hundred thousand a year. Yeah. So I'm not happy with that. Yeah, but that's a big difference. Like when you because to me fifty thousand dollars a month right now sounds like wow that's a lot of money. But then when you go from like jump make the jump from like fifty to eighty to one ten, it goes up so much higher when you multiply that by twelve months. Yep. <laughs> so it's a, it's a big difference. Adding one thing to the bottom line on a daily basis can yeah. be a big increase. I yeah. Mean, people don't realize it, but, you know, fluoride helps seven, keep 70% of the cavities down. <laughs> but selling fluoride can be a big profit. You're helping your patient and you're helping your bottom line. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing. We've talked about this before, too, in, in the business of this. You guys are going to get out of dental school, and, and you guys are being courted now by the DSOs. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They're telling you you can make $250,000 a year when you yeah. write, when you get out of school. And you're, I'm hearing all these lectures say, I, you know, I'm, I'm making all this money when I get The problem is with that is they get that ingrained into your guys' heads that you're going to get out and you're going to be able to make 250000 Yeah, but... At some point in time, the table is going to turn. Yeah. And that company, that DSO, is going to say, hey, what are you doing to earn that $250,000? Right. You're producing 500000 a year, and I'm paying you half. That's 50%. They're, they're, they're losing money. Yeah. At some point in time, they're either going to cut you, they're going to fire you, or they're going to expecting you to make 70% higher than what you're making. Keep the math simple. Okay. If they're expecting you to produce 70% higher. Okay. If they're paying you 300,000 a year, they're going to be expecting you to be making a million. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> okay. There's going to be at some point in time that that, that table is going to turn because the DSO, you've got to make them money and not be, not be a problem. That's that's another thing that a lot of these kids are hearing that and they don't realize. And the DSOs aren't coming to you going, "Hey guys, great, we're going to pay you two hundred fifty thousand. We're going to put CBCT, Itero, Cerac in the offices for you, and this is going to be the most fantastic practice you ever have. And you're going to make big bucks." But they're not telling you on the flip side. But within this many years or this many so many months, if you're not producing X number of dollars, we're taking it all away. Yeah. They don't tell you that. And that's the truth. That's what's going to happen. So you have to be able to produce to justify your income, even with the DSO. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of people, they don't, they don't have someone 
who is a legal expert in that matter, read over the contract that they're about to sign as well. So they miss all those fine points that someone might not even consider. Like, you know, for example, a lot of people, they still don't know that there's a non-compete clause. So you could, you could be taken out of your city if you want to leave and then go and start your own private practice. If you get like a 10 mile radius, that's a, that when you expand that out, that's a lot. That, that's a big area. Yeah. Because yeah. 10 miles in, in any direction here in DFW takes up 20, you know, a 20 mile deal. And that's, a, that's a lot of people Yeah, that you can no longer service. Yeah. And it's not a square. It's, it's, it's a circle. So it's, it gets a big area. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and most people get enamored by, I'm going to pay you a lot and you're going to have all this cool stuff. Yeah. And then they don't, they don't want to pay attention to the fine print. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. Um, so I know this is like a, a hot topic for so many dental students coming out right now. And I wanted to get your opinion on it. And, uh, you know, all of us, we all think differently on this matter. So that's why I consider it a hot topic. Um, do you think dentists should do a GPR coming out of school or like a one year residency or should they focus on anything in particular? I, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to say yes and no. Okay. And then, then we'll break down the yes and we'll break down the no. Okay. First off, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the no. Okay. My opinion about a GPR is you're just learning the same stuff you've already learned. Okay. It says, yeah, same stuff, same stuff you've already learned. Yeah. They may be able to, they may be throwing you bigger cases or more complex cases, but guess what? You've already learned that. Yeah. Okay. So instead of doing a three unit bridge, it dental, as a dental student, they may throw you a five or six unit bridge. Okay. Do the principles change? No. No. It's still the same thing. They may throw in some implants or something like that. So you may get some implants in there, but I much rather would be making money than paying somebody money. Okay. So for me, a GPR was kind of worthless. Yeah. All it was was spending more money and more time not doing what I was already taught. Right. Okay. And the yes part is, is if you are so, if you're so lacking in confidence, it may be for you. Okay. But I guarantee you when you get out in two years, you're still probably up your GPR. You're still probably going to be lack confidence to run a practice. That's what I would think. Yeah. That's the way way it is. Yeah. So if you, if you, if you are confident in what you know, um, I don't think a GPR is for you. If if you still need someone to boost you up and build your confidence, then maybe do a GPR. But the problem is, is you're always going to be looking for someone to boost up your confidence. Yeah. You got to do it for yourself. You've got to, you can't take baby steps anymore. Have someone yeah. holding your hand the entire way through your career. Well, it's kind of like you got into dental school, right? Yeah. Did dental school expect you to know what you learned at college? Absolutely. Yeah. So they had the confidence in hire and, and hiring you. They had the confidence in getting you into school and accepting you into school. So they had confidence that you already knew that stuff. Well, the dental school, you know it. So you have to take your chemistries and stuff and apply all that stuff that you learned in undergrad. And you had to apply it at, 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 uh, 
at the graduate level. I mean, right. that's what I had to do. Yeah. And then, so that's the whole thing is you're already at school. Someone's already chose you to be at school. So they know that you have the capabilities. You just have to decide you have the capability. Right. That's the way I approach kind of life. I have the capability and you and I have discussed this before. I tell my employees all the time, the only difference between me and them is I chose to play the game. Yeah. I put my shoes on just the way they, same way they do. So for me is they're just as smart as I am. I tell my staff, you're just as smart as I am. They always like, you know, you're the boss. No, I'm not. I go, yeah, I, you are. Yeah. You are. You look at them and go, you are just as smart as me. The only thing the difference is, is I went to four years of school and I paid a lot of money to do it. They could have done the exact same thing I did. They just chose a different path. I think that's what um, I really enjoy watching you do is, is uh, oversee your staff and um, how you interact with them. And um, something that is like a common common issue, I think, in my, in my eyes, is that I think some people really let it get to their head. You know, that they have doctor in front of their name. So all of a sudden it gives them authority over this or that. But it's not it's not the case. Like you said, we went to additional four years of school because that's it. You just do something different. Yeah. I'm I'm trained to do something different. Yeah. I know we talked about this yesterday, I think, while yeah. you were here, or either yesterday Tuesday? or Tuesday. Yeah, I think Tuesday. Before. You know, other, other countries, dentistry is a trade school. They, they, you know, in England, you're not a doctor, you're a mister, but you still you get out and you're, you have your trade school. Yeah. It's two years. Yeah. So it's not all, even within our own business and our own educational aspects, even within other countries, we're all not really schooled the same, but, right. we're, but we all can be expected to be treated the same. Absolutely. But the difference is, 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 you know, I don't look down on the guys from England, the doctors <laughs> in dentistry, because they went to two years of school. <laughs> they do the same things I do on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. If you treat people that way, you're not a very, you're not going to set yourself up for success. You may do the right business decisions and make a lot of money, but in the end, you're a failure. You know, yeah. if only three people show up to your funeral. You didn't win at life. Yeah. You you died with the maybe with the most toys. Yeah. But nobody like you. Yeah. Because you have to always take that into consideration because there's things that bring value to your life versus things that are maybe materialistic and how much it's it's all dependent on what you're really trying to gain out of life. And I some I know I don't know how some people really they go so like they're cutthroat, you know, yeah. to where all they think about is what is ahead of them and themselves and how they're gonna get there. And um, I think respecting people, uh, not only just our patients, our staff, and even the people who are in the profession as well. Well, we talked about it. We talked about earlier that your reputation is, is, is everything that you have to protect. Okay. Your name is who you are. Okay. Boil it down. You can name your dental practice or you could work for somebody. You could work for somebody and they have a different name than, than you know. My practice is my name. I could have called it something generic and given a name. Yeah. It still all boils down to who did the work. Right. And how you feel when you sleep at night and put your head down. But if you're taking care of people, people will take care of you. 
That's where the money comes from. It's not about the procedure. It's about taking care of people. Yeah. Yeah. And actually doing the things that they need. They need. You may not. You may not agree with everything that they choose. Right. I'm just a purveyor of services. Okay. But I've seen it a lot where I've had to do this once. Somebody was asking me to take out the first molars on their 18-year-old daughter that could be saved. Oh, gosh. I had to refuse. Yeah. Did they not like me anymore? Yeah, they didn't like me. They didn't like me the day because I refused to do the services. I told them they could save us. Well, we don't have the money to do that. And I'm like, in my good conscience, I couldn't do this for you. You're going to, you can, you really need to find someone else. Yeah. I could have taken the teeth out for them. Yeah. I would have been, but for me, I would have gone to bed at night not liking myself for taking a few dollars for extracting a tooth that I know that could be saved. Yeah. That is the cornerstone of this kid's mouth. And then as soon as we take that tooth out, you're going to have a problem. Yeah. Okay. And then there's other people that only have a few dollars that need a crown, but you may end up doing a buildup for them to get them by. Yeah. So there's things you can do to help people and not hurt them. And then you're going to, you're going to make people mad because you don't want to help them. Because in the long run, it's going to hurt them. But you got to know that you're taking care of them for the right reason. Yeah. And you got to do the right thing. Yeah, and it's all about preserving what is left of the tooth structure, right? That's that's also pretty much the foundation of dentistry, I feel like, is that you want to try and restore it to... Yeah. See, you're in dental school. You're, <laughs> you're in dental student mode. You're in dental student mode because it's all about the tooth or it's all about the gums or it's all yeah. about, you know, it's all about... But it's not only that. It's restoring the patient's confidence in you yeah. that you have their best interest. Definitely. Okay. So the lady who I did refuse to take the tooth out on, probably today, that was probably about 10 or 15 years ago, probably today has a different respect for me when their daughter is having a problem because they took those teeth out. Right. If they took those teeth out. Yeah. And that would be the the scary part. Yeah, if I talk, you you take it today. But somebody, if you did, if you did a build up for them to get them by to do a crown, yeah, they're gonna leave your practice for you, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be an advocate for you. They're gonna they're gonna tell people, yeah, he he's not all about the money. But guess where they're gonna come to get their crown when they're ready? You. They're gonna come to me because you had you had. You have the faith in them that they, that that they care about what you did, and if you treat people that way, the money comes in afterwards. Yeah, you're building a practice. It's not instant. That's what everyone wants. They want instant. You know, microwave popcorn. I think was, <laughs> microwave popcorn was the downfall of, of culture. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, my mom got her first microwave. It yeah. Was, the microwave was to help you cook meals faster within within probably two months. What do you think the primary function of, of a microwave was? Yeah, guy, you want to know? Three-minute popcorn. <laughs> Three-minute popcorn and reheating stuff she still baked in the oven or cooked on the cooktop. So the microwave really is just a reheater. It doesn't yeah. cook a meal. God, yeah, I know. I think, you know, and then when you are reheating something, you wonder what is in that 
that preserve that food to be stick around for three or four months down the road. Yeah, what most people don't understand too is when I was a kid and the first yeah. microwaves come out, they were a thousand fifteen hundred bucks. Wow, that's, it was a big deal. Crazy. It was crazy. a big big deal. Yeah, and then, yeah. So you have this thousand or fifteen hundred dollar microwave for a three minute popcorn. <laughs> well, Doctor Crumpton, it's been absolutely fantastic to hear all the advice that you have, all the information that you have to share about dentistry. Um, and it was just a privilege to have you on, you know, it's, uh, I think I'm always learning from you every single day. Um, and I'm glad that I'm able to reach out to you constantly while I'm in school, because I know there's a couple of things that I had some freak out moments last semester and then the year prior to that as well. But, um, I think everyone's really going to enjoy hearing what you have to say. And we really appreciate you having on. You're welcome. You're welcome anytime. Thank you, sir. We greatly appreciate all the support that you guys have provided for us over the past few months. It's been a privilege for us to share valuable information as well as our own experiences in dentistry thus far. If there's anything that we can do to help you guys out, we're here. You can find us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes, Twitter at dentalstudentvibes, and on Facebook where you can search for us, Dental Student Vibes. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you all very soon.